0: Hello and welcome to Splatter Chatter, where October never dies. I am one of your hosts, Ms. Melmoy.
1: I'm the other host, Mr.
0: Craigers. He is. And this is episode 61. It is March. It is almost springtime, or basically is in our hearts. It is also Women's History Month, so we are doing our... I think we did something last year for Women's History Month, but this year we are doing our... What? Last year we... Oh, sorry. No, that was go, so rude. No, no. That? Tell me what we did last year. <laughs> last year we did a series
1: throughout the month about um, uh, like, leading ladies. Yes. like
0: uh, Scream Queens. It was, Scream Scream Queens. Queen's it was a Scream Queens series. It was a Scream Queens series. Yes, I think we chronologically went through the Scream Queens. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, this year we decided to mix things up a little bit. We are doing, uh, in honor of, you know, like sports ball, I guess, does some big thing. In March, we are making our own brackets of our Ladies Who Crunch. Ooh! March Madness, I guess. We okay. didn't come up with the second half of the title, but it is uh, a... <laughs> horror Heroine March Madness. There you go. Ladies Who Crunch Horror Heroine March Madness, where yeah. we have 16 uh, horror... Some leading ladies, some scream queens, some final girls, some, <clears throat> some even villains in their movies. That's right. Um, and we will bracket them off and have them battle each other for the honor of being Miss Lady Who Crunch. What do they call the winner of March Madness? Like, what is that called?
1: Oh, um. Just the winner. You're the, the, the champion. The, ch- the champion of something. The, the championship? Yeah. Tell how much we're into basketball.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the basketball championship of the college teams. Right, yeah, I, th-
1: I think I want to say champion.
0: It is, yeah, but I think it's like an official. I don't know. Point is, we're gonna we're gonna figure this out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is we're the figuring. the winner of all the things. <clears throat> um, but before we get into that, uh, we got some horror headlines. Some headlines of yeah. horror. Some more headlines, some catching up on Ooh.
1: who's been doing what, and this and that, and why. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, do, 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 what have I been up to? Um, oh, I watched Velvet Buzzsaw on Netflix. Oh. Yeah. How was that? Um, it was good. It was uh, fun, and interesting, And wild. <laughs> uh, it's from the same director directors i feel like there's two for some reason that did uh nightcrawler oh interesting yeah and 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 this one it's set in the la um art scene Mm -hmm. and um jake gyllenhaal is this art critic and a bunch of other recognizable faces are in it and it centers it revolves around this story of um these paintings that are discovered by an artist who has committed suicide and the paintings are very like dark and maudlin and, um, and they're discovered and this, you know, this museum takes them on and they make this huge exhibit out of it. And they're get, they're getting all this publicity, but then bad things start to happen to the people who are profiting off of this art. And mm. it's as if the art itself is punishing them. Interesting. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. So I watched that. I definitely give it a recommend. Um, I also watched an Argentinian slash Spanish horror film called The Appeared, uh, which was on Shudder. And that concerns a, a brother and sister who decide to take a road trip in the wake of their father's death. And they take his old car to go on the road trip. But they discover an old diary detailing a series of gruesome crimes that happened uh, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. and they, Yeah, and they start to suspect that the crimes might be repeating themselves. So I
0: recommend both. Nice.
1: Um, How about you, Miss Mel? What do you got for us?
0: Um, I just had a Hill House rewatch. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was my first time watching it since watching it initially. I tried to catch some of the ghosts. I caught some of them. Um, it, definitely interesting watching it back, now knowing everything and all the things like I missed. Um, still really good.
1: So with that knowledge, did it lessen the show for you or heighten it?
0: Um... feel like it heightened it just because i was like i knew what was coming and i was getting excited for these things and like piecing it together and watching somebody else like you know react to things and and that sort of thing is always fun um but yeah no i think like it definitely like bolstered it as like this is just a really good piece of television
1: it
0: sure was. Um, so that was exciting. I started watching. It's not really horror. It's more suspense thriller. But I started watching Killing Eve. Me too.
1: Yes. <laughs> Thanks to you. In yeah. fact. Um, yeah. Yeah. I I've wa- I watched two episodes last nice. night. Nice. first two. Nice, um, nice. Have you watched the whole season?
0: No, I'm on episode six. So okay. Almost. I think it's. I, episodes, am right. yeah. I am hooked. Yeah.
1: I'm totally hooked. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're. Yeah, not quite horror, but I feel like a lot of fans of horror would really like.
0: Yes, yes. Um,
1: the kills are fun.
0: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yes, it is and, uh, fun. Kill suspense, uh, dark humor, very dark. Yeah, mm-hmm. and
1: a one of the most intriguing psychopaths, I think. Yes. Um, as one of the core characters, which is. Hey, it's us. We're horror fans. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: yeah, and it's fun because, like, you know, you're rooting for this terrible human being, but you're like, no, like, I need her to succeed. Like, I want her to kill these people. I want her to do a good job. I know. Um,
1: and of course, Sandra. Oh, I mean, yes,
0: she's great.
1: And I had a pleasant surprise because I didn't know that Fiona Shaw.
0: Yes, was in the show. Yeah, I, I told you it checks many of your boxes.
1: <laughs> you did. You did. And I, I love Fiona Shaw. So
0: that's
1: a, that's a definite recommend too. Yes. Um, but I was going to say, you know, you talking about your, your Hill House rewatch mm-hmm. is a perfect opportunity, of course, to talk about the fact that Hill House has been renewed for a second season. Yes. And we now have the information that they're going to go anthology style. hmm. And not only that, but that season two, um, will adapt, uh, the Turn of the Screw. Yes. Exciting stuff. Really exciting and really cool. And, of course, something to look forward to. Yeah. I guess that might be old news um, at the time But of the we're day. excited. But we're excited. And it's all very exciting. Uh, yeah, in terms of actual news itself, there's, uh, there's a lot going on in horror right now. Um, so much. Uh, things that are being greenlit and things that are coming down the pike. And everyone's getting very excited as we move into... Sort of the second quarter of the year, which will bring a lot of really interesting, great horror our way. Two things, uh, at, probably at the top of that list, at the end of this month, uh, Jordan Peele's Us. Yes. Um, followed by, in early April, the remake of Stephen King's Pet Cemetery.
0: Oh, finally. Those
1: trailers are, like, insane. I mean, the trailers creep me out. Yeah. For both films. Yeah. So. I'm excited to actually see what they both bring. Um, as we said uh, a couple episodes back, 2019 is proving to be and will continue to be, I think, a really strong year. Yeah. Or, which is exciting. Yeah, it's on the rise. Nice. So. Yes. Um, as Miss Mel was saying, this is going to be a uh, the first, I think we're going to d- like divide it into two parts, right? Probably, yeah. Or, um, are, uh, Ladies Who Crunch, Horror, Heroin, March, Madness. Now, between Miss Mel and myself, we have determined, uh, as she said, the 16 women from horror films that are, po- uh, some final girl, some action hero, some villain, that we're going to put into this year's tournament. And if you take issue with any of the 16 we've chosen, that is, one, fine. You get at us on social media and debate who shouldn't be there and who should. It is also, two, fuck you. This is our show. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, I'm going to, right now, I think I'm going to read off the 16 just as we have them listed. Mm -hmm. After that, we're going to randomly seed them uh, live in the interest of fairness. Yes. So here are, in no particular order, I just want that to be clear, the 16 (sighs) ladies who crunch. Laurie Strode, Halloween. Sydney Prescott, Scream. Ellen Ripley, Alien. Nancy Thompson, Nightmare on Elm Street. Alice Hardy, Friday the 13th. Lila Crane, Psycho. Sally Hardesty, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Jamie Lloyd, Halloween 4 and 5. Tree Gelbman, Happy Death Day. Jay Height. It follows Sarah Connor, Terminator. Clarice Starling, Silence of the Lambs. Theodora Crane, The Haunting of Hill House. Jess Bradford, Black Christmas. Jennifer, of Jennifer's Body. And Kirstie Cotton, from Hellraiser. Mm. So, those are the 16. Miss Mel. Are you ready to determine how we're going to bracket these lovely ladies? Yes. All right. Let's do it. I have got random.org up on my computer right now. I have the minimum at one, the maximum at 16. Here we go. We're going to start with the, I guess we'll call it the left bracket.
0: <laughs> Depending on how you look at it, sure.
1: <laughs> matchup is going to be Jennifer of Jennifer's body.
0: Ready, write that down. <laughs> right, It'd be funny if we were like, okay, we did. Oh
1: wait, uh, versus Clarice Starling. Nice. The second matchup in the left-hand bracket. Is going to be Sidney Prescott Ooh. against Alice Hardy. Ooh. Mm. The third matchup will occur between <laughs> Ellen Ripley and Jay Height.
0: Okay. I thought it would have been really funny if it was Sarah Connor. Because right. I felt like that would have been a really difficult. That would have
1: been like classic sort of eighties match, like yeah. The fourth matchup will occur between Kirsten Cotton of Hellraiser fame and Sarah Connor. Now moving over to the right hand bracket, the first matchup over there will be between. Getting a lot of repeat numbers here. <laughs> <laughs> Lila Crane and Theodora Crane. What? <laughs> <laughs> the Cranes. No relation. <laughs> the second matchup will be between Tree Geltman. Probably, I think, our most recent, And Jamie Lloyd. Mm-hmm. The third matchup will be between there's only four left. Come on. Sally Hardesty. And Lori Strode, which means the final matchup will be between Nancy Thompson and Jess Bradford. Nice. Now, there you have it. Our chatters. The brackets have been determined. So, Miss Mel, would you like to start... On the left or the right?
0: You know I don't know the difference between them.
1: (laughs) That's exactly why I asked
0: you, (laughs) bitch. (laughs) Uh, Left.
1: The left, all right. We're going to start with the left-hand bracket of our Ladies Who Crunch tournament. The first matchup is between Jennifer of Jennifer's Body, Jennifer Check, I believe is her last name, and Clarice Starling of silence of the lambs red dragon hannibal what have you let the debate begin
0: so i feel like on paper this is an obvious um like outcome and i feel like it still will end up being the outcome i think is the obvious one but i think there are really? some nuances
1: <laughs> yeah well, okay so i this is not very clear cut to me. So I'm curious.
0: Well, I feel like it's just, mm, and maybe I'm being like simplistic with it and shallow, but it's like, you know, it's Clarice, you know, I feel like she's like Uh such a, such a like hard ass. Like she went through some shit. I mean, like, It's interesting because I think Jennifer is both, you know, she's both victim and then villain. Mm -hmm. Um, And you don't really get the range of of all the emotions that come with that as much as you could, I guess. Whereas like Clarice, like you're watching her go through some like serious, like, you know, trying to, to be, you know one of the only women in the FBI trying to prove herself going up against a guy who is intellectually just, you know, running circles around her and like somehow coming out on the other side of it. Like hers is a physical and mental battle. And then Jennifer kind of, you know, and it's not to say that what happened to Jennifer is in any way, you know, her fault or should she be faulted for it, but she does go down kind of quick.
1: Yeah. And yeah. Then,
0: and then returns as this very, you know, sort of powerful villain, but it's because of things that were outside of her control, and it's because of things that happened to her, and she was given these, like, sort of almost superpowers, if you want to think about it that way.
1: That is a really good point. Because, yeah, it's not that... It's not that we know Jennifer as villain, we know her as sort of, like, tragic downfall.
0: Yeah.
1: way. Um... But it, but, it, but it also can't be ignored that she is the only lady on the list with classic villain tendencies. And I think it's interesting karma that she's paired up immediately with Clarice, who is, like,
0: classic hero. Yeah. Right? Like, unfaultable good. Yeah, she is very, very righteous and has the moral high ground basically the entire movie.
1: Yeah. So in a way, it's almost unfair, like that Clarice is so good um, to be pitted immediately against against Jennifer.
0: Mm-hmm. Good thing they didn't. They didn't. Uh... Well, I'm thinking of a couple other matchups that would have been fun. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but... Well, okay. So let's also think about this. This tournament that we've got going on what is what is our criteria right yeah is it is it which character is more of a heroine is more of a lady who crunch is Hmm. or is it like if these two heroines were going at each other who would win you know or Like, are we taking that into account? What's is it? Is like, are we trying to find out who's the most badass heroine in horror, or who's the most significant? You know,
0: I would say the criteria is because, if nothing else, in horror, like across the board, no matter what role they play, the kind of goal of a woman in horror, from my perspective, is to like be a survivor because they are often the victims, right? And some of them don't make it, and some of them do. And, like, the women in horror, you know, horror is, um, you know, populated with the pantheon of final girls and scream queens. So I think, in my mind, the, the goal would be, you know, like, who is the survivor? Who is the ultimate sort of... And, like, it doesn't have to be even be that they survive their films. It's just, like, who has, like, kind of the stuff to say. Like, it feels like a powerful um, fight whether intellectually, physically, what have you, was put up between the heroine and um, the whatever the villain is. And, you know, in Jennifer's case, it was, you know, like she had some shit happen to her. And like people have talked about it in the film, the film in the context of the Me Too movement now. Like it definitely came out kind of before its, its time culturally. Now people are looking at it and seeing what it was saying. You know, so in that sense, I think Jennifer is a very important character because she does get fucked over by these guys, but then turns around and turns that into something powerful. Right. Because she goes after, you know, the people who who screwed around with her. And, Mm. you know, she goes after men kind of like as this this retribution, you know, so she does kind of take her her power back in a way. That is
1: interesting, like and and i think potentially another factor like looking at these characters and how we and what we can learn from them now and and take from them in this day and age
0: yeah um yeah because you know i clarice is unfailingly like you said unfailingly morally correct and a very righteous hero and is which, you know the white knight and yeah which is is
1: great and wonderful, and it is a lot to inspire to. Yeah. But as I'm thinking about it, I wonder: it is she relatable enough?
0: Yeah, like in because, nowadays, is is it something you you know?
1: You know, we nowadays we we love the hero with flaws, we love the hero with pain because we, so many of us you record you know harp so often on our own faults and while we might aspire to be a Clarice Starling, we might be able to relate better to a Jennifer Check.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So right, I think I... Go. I'm mm. gonna call
1: it, I vote Jennifer.
0: Knock it out, Clarice. You know what, I, I've convinced myself that I was wrong in my initial assumption. Yeah? I'm going to say Jennifer wins this one.
1: All right. It's a two to zero agreement. Clarice Starling is knocked out of the first round. Unexpected.
0: Unexpected. I yeah.
1: Jennifer Check of Jennifer's Body moves on to the um Elite Eight. I Elite think. Eight?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sweet 16 to Elite Eight to Final Four to yes. Final
1: Four. Yeah. And the- what do they call the last two? Do they call them anything? I think
0: they just call one of them the winner.
1: <laughs> the winner and the runner-up.
0: <laughs> the winner and the not-winner.
1: <laughs> all right. All right. So um, should we hop now, uh, Miss Mel, do we keep going on the left bracket or do we hop over to the right? What do you think?
0: Mm, so. Let's hop back and forth. Back and forth? Yeah.
1: Okay. We're gonna hop over to the right bracket now. The first matchup over there is the Crane SmackDown. The Crane
0: Smackdown the crane
1: of 1960's Psycho and Theodora Crane of 2018's The Haunting of Hill House. Nice. This is a good one. Now this. Now this is tough. It is <laughs> I was
0: glad that Claire, or not Claire, so I was glad that Jennifer didn't get paired up with Marion because that would have been difficult, I feel like, uh, just because uh, okay. they kind of share the sort of anti hero almost villainess. yes,
1: yeah, yeah yeah, that would have been bad,
0: yeah, all right, so the cranes,
1: no relation <laughs> I, Lila and Theo, yes, Ooh. So, I think Theo's uphill battle here, right, is that she's fighting against sort of the establishment. You know, Lila Crane, Psycho, a classic established top 10 horror film. Yeah. Lila, Lila is one of the first female protagonists we see, not only in horror, but in cinema, who doesn't take no for an answer. She knows something bad has happened to her sister. She knows it happened at the Bates Motel. She's not going to stop until she finds answers. That's kind of revolutionary. Yeah. I shouldn't say kind of. That is revolutionary for 1960. Yeah. On the other hand, we've got Thea, who is equally, I think, as revolutionary for 2018. Maybe just not in as obvious sort of ways as lila yeah i don't know what's your initial thoughts
0: um it is interesting because they are two again like i feel like they are two very different characters and very different sort of breeds of heroine because you know she is lila is kind of along the clarice line of like you know i'm gonna get answers i'm gonna you know do this sort of you know she's she's a hero you want to root for traditionally i mean that being said in the 60s like the place she has in the film and the way she drives it is very unique um and i think you know that someone like clarice may not have existed without someone like lila existing first in the 60s um but i think At the same time, the way they took Theo in this adaptation of Hill House was, you know, a very nuanced um, uh, way to go about this, like, kind of time-honored character. Like, she does, she's got a huge psychological and emotional battle, she obviously has this sort of physical battle with the supernatural, but if there's, I suppose, one thing working against her within her own story is that she's one of seven, right? Like, part of her story and part of her um, ability to succeed as a protagonist is because she is working with her siblings, and they all kind of have to do it together. It's one of the points made in Hill House that, you know, it's a a unit battle.
1: It's a unit. It's no individual. Yeah. That's an interesting point. Like, almost the idea that the story by nature, doesn't give us enough room for Theo to shine Yeah, as Psycho gives for Lila to shine. Is that yeah. kind of was, am I
0: Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Like, you know, Theo stands out just because, you know, Theo is, I think, kind of got the most, um, you know, memorable characteristics as a sort almost like a for like Kate Siegel as a character actress, even in this. Mm-hmm. in this ensemble piece and that's kind of why she sticks out, but you know, the crane's battle is shared. Like you can't look at Theo or really any of them and pick out one specific thing to say, oh, this is the was their thing that they were battling because they were all just generally battling the same trauma, right? So it's it, it's hard to make their specific experiences unique. Whereas Lila's got a very like you know, emotional tie to the story. She's got a huge emotional investment in, in what has happened. And she's very much like a, a go-getter. Like Theo was like hiding in, you know, the guest house with her gloves and basically had to be dragged into everything at the very last minute before she actually took a stand against what was going on in, in her life.
1: That's true. Yeah. Hmm. Are we ready to vote on this one? Yeah. You want to go first? Yeah.
0: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, as much as it pains me, I'm going to have to go with Lila Crane. <laughs> of the cranes. Um,
1: it's hard, and I saw myself going the other way. Mm-hmm. But you, you, your argument just now convinced me. I also vote for Lila Crane.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Sorry, Theo. Sorry, Theo. At this point, you are knocked out, but it does not make you any less of a heroine. Um, and Lila advances to the Elite Eight. Eight. We want now hop back to the left-hand bracket for matchup number three, Sydney Prescott mm-hmm. of Scream against Alice Hardy from the original 1980s Friday the 13th. Miss Mel, any initial arguments for us?
0: Sydney Prescott is like, you know... It's Sydney Prescott. It's going to be hard to beat. To beat, um, and you know Alice definitely does a good job of you know surviving. Um oh, for sure, for sure. Physically, she does get through or bumbles her way through, even at points through you know the physical assault of um, <laughs> Mrs. Voorhees, um, mm-hmm. only to be you know dispatched in the second one but let's ignore that for a second um but yeah i mean oh, yeah. well no no what were you gonna say well
1: so I, so i was gonna say so my thing is that the moment where alice decapitates of vorhees mm-hmm. is legendary right i mean the significance of that in horror can never be denied mm-hmm However, Alice as character does die at the beginning of part two. Yeah. She is dispatched by Jason. She's not a Nancy Thompson. She's not a Laurie Strode. She's not a Kirstie Cotton. She was our final girl for the first installment. She had an iconic moment, but she's not long lasting. No. I look at Sidney Prescott. Sidney Prescott kicks ass through four series of slayings. And I think has earned, in all, in all four films, equal iconic status to the decapitation, whether it's, uh, oh, Stu. Or you kill people because you choose to. Yeah,
0: that's a big or, um, one.
1: Don't fuck with the original. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, and at one point she even takes, you know, again, going back to taking the power back, she dons the ghost face persona, if only for a second, to dispatch her would be murderer in the first
1: she one. She does. Sidney Prescott is the only character to don the ghost face persona and uh, survive.
0: Yeah. So I think that and, you know, her emotional connection to her killer, I think, is also very important. I mean, like, That's, you know, Mrs. Voorhees is the one who has the emotional connection because she's out for revenge and she doesn't really care specifically about who. She just wants to, you know, off camp counselors because she's got got a grudge. But Sydney, it's kind of an, a weird, intricate web, even in just the first one, of how she's connected to the Ghostface killer and why they're going after her and like her own personal history with this stuff and you know her own <clears throat> even before the the killings started she had her own sort of internal battles that end up being related to the killings so you know i think she does you know the the mental and emotional gymnastics in addition to the the physical battle of actually outlasting ghostface
1: yeah definitely definitely
0: because yeah it's
1: with Sydney, it's it's about her. With Alice, it's not about Alice. It's about Jason.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like Alice, I feel like, survives as long as she does because, I mean, part of it, yeah, is like, you know, physically she just, she got to it and she figured shit out and she decapitated Mrs. Voorhees. But, you know, a lot of it was incidental. She was in the right place at the right time. She was in... She wasn't in the wrong place at the wrong time. She managed to get through some things. Some things worked in her favor. Whereas Sydney just kind of like, you know, fucking did it. And I mean, like, you know, she makes points where she's like, well, I wouldn't do this in a horror movie. And I wouldn't do that. And she does do some of the stupid horror movie things, but she's adaptive. Yeah. And, you know, she gets through it.
1: Yeah. Thinking of that Scream 4 version of Sydney.
0: Yeah. That, yeah, she's like uh, fucking done.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think I mean, I think it's clear, but shall we vote? Yes, we shall. It's my turn to start. I vote Sydney Prescott.
0: I too vote Sydney Prescott.
1: All right. Alice Hardy, thank you very much for your contribution to the genre. But it's just not your time. <laughs> Sydney now advances to the Elite Eight in the semi no the quarterfinals, I guess it would be. Yeah. She will face Jennifer Check. Ooh! ooh. Now, That'll be a tough one. Again, move over to the right-hand bracket for matchup number four, which is between Tree Geldman of 2017's mm-hmm. Happy Death Day and 2019's Happy Death Day to You, and Jamie Lloyd of Halloween Four: The Return of Michael Myers and Halloween Five: The Revenge of Michael Myers. This is very interesting. This is very interesting. This is. I'm not even entirely sure where to start the argument.
0: <laughs> I mean, so first of all, obviously Jamie Lloyd is a child. <laughs> start Jamie there. She is a child. She is our youngest participant.
1: She is. Um, but her step is an icon. Yes. I mean, Danielle Harris. Although, here's an interesting thing: Do we separate Danielle Harris? as horror icon from Jamie Lloyd, that's, that's Mm. interesting thing, right? Jamie Lloyd as character was a game changer in the sense that, um, there had never really been a horror film that depicted a slasher, a killer going after a child. Yeah. Stalking a child so relentlessly as Michael does to Jamie in the fourth and fifth Halloween films. Um and there's there's I think it can't be denied at how much it ups the stakes to see a child in danger versus
0: Yeah
1: versus a a teenager basically an adult a woman. yeah
0: because if you think about it it does sort of break you know horror tropes because it's like a child you would assume hopefully cannot be guilty of all the things that kind of mark you for death in horror so it's either you know you think okay this kid absolutely has to survive towards the end or it's got going to be in you know the collective social subconscious that we've come up with with you know these various rules of what gets you killed in horror. It's not going to be an earned For death, sure. right? It's going to be a completely innocent person um, being murdered.
1: Absolutely. It definitely fucks with that. It definitely fucks with that.: Now, on the other side of this mantra, we have Tree Geldman. Who? <laughs>
0: Which? OK. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who? Jessica Roth's portrayal of the character is superstar. I mean, no one expected Happy Death Day to be as successful as it was.
0: It was a stupidly good movie.
1: Yeah, no one expected it to be as stupidly good as Ms. Mouse says. No one expected it to spawn a franchise or to, to slide so easily into the pantheon of great franchise horror. And yet here we are. And everyone agrees that the anchor is Tree. Yeah. And Tree, Tree is the horror heroine of today, right? Yeah. You know, Tree is the perfect, I think, mixture of the scream queen final girl of the 80s when the slasher was born, or thrived, rather. Mm -hmm. And the contemporary woman of now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she wakes up from a one night stand in like that's like her shtick as she continually wakes up from this one night stand
1: right and she and she, she has um agency like huge agency and perfect sort of control over all of the men involved in the story right like they're defined by Tree's agency she's not defined by theirs um which is very interesting and important and She's funny, you know, like she's she makes us laugh at the dark humor of the situation she finds herself in and happy death day. But
0: there's that heart
1: there, there's that connection that we want to see so much
0: yeah and it's interesting because it's like I've never cared about it really a person's romantic relationships before in a horror film but like that's
1: right I remember you saying that when I showed it to you yeah and like
0: when you get through certain iterations of you know having to get through this this day and like she you know her and um what's his face uh Carter Uh, Carter Carter um you know like it's like almost like watching fifty first dates at, at a certain point, because you're like, fuck. <laughs> like, oh, Damn it, we have to do this all over again. I was really rooting for this one. Right? Because um, part of it is like, yeah, you wanted to get out of this loop, but other part of it is, too, is like, as she grows as a person, the connections she makes, the relationships she forms as she redoes every day, and it's like... You're really rooting for, like, that at that point. Like, and yeah, you're rooting for her to survive because you're like, well, fuck. Like, now I'm invested in you and and the web of your life. And you really don't want her to to die.
1: No, no, no,
0: yeah. Ah, but to play devil's advocate. She does die several, several times. (laughs) Well, there is that. But I was just thinking,
1: there are so few horror films. Where I get as nervous as I do watching Halloween four and five, fearing for Jamie. Mm-hmm. You know when when she is in danger and want and you know when Michael is coming for her and me wanting her to be okay and to and to make it through and to not die and to be alive. Like it stresses me out. Yeah, it stresses me out to watch
0: those movies. Yeah. Um, I don't disagree. I mean, it does stress me out to to watch Tree go through this stuff. And then the few times they pull the rug out from under you because you you think maybe you got because the last couple like it's and it's far enough in the movie that you actually believe it's possible that, you know, it's over and then, you know, it happens again. Um, But ultimately, I do think. Because of the way, because of the structure and the entire plot of the film of Happy Death Day, a part of you knows that it's going to end with her with a happy ending, which is weird in horror, but you know, but because you've watched her die so many times and you know, the point of the film is for her to escape, you know, that death, that the only satisfying way for it to end or else it's a shitty movie is that it works. You know, because it's, it does almost—it honestly does feel a lot like a rom-com disguised as a horror film. Mm. Um, you know, and it's—I I love that it's so character-driven, and then it's so so driven by a character's personal arc uh, to you know become you know a better, more well-rounded person. Like I think we don't have many, like you don't get to see something like the the emotional character arc that Tree goes through in horror. But you know, it does ultimately feel like this film does have to have a good ending be just because of its structure and and the, the 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 setup of it. Yeah. So I think it kind of protects tree a little bit, even though it frustrates you throughout, you know ultimately like how this must end. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. We've Without... mm.
1: You're up
0: first on this one. Oh, this hurts. I'm going to have to go with Jamie Lloyd. Interesting. Uh, I I, I did a gut reaction. I was like, okay, just... We...
1: This is painful, and we're going to figure out what we have to do, because I vote for Tree.
0: Interesting. All right, we'll table that one. Okay. We'll come back to that.
1: Maybe we'll have the listeners vote.
0: Interesting. Yes. Keep that in mind, kids.
1: All right. It is now a tie on that one. All right, my friends. We switch back now over to the left bracket. Matchup number three over there is between Ellen Ripley, of course, of the Alien franchise, and Jay Height of It Follows. Mm, Another difficult one based on our parameters. This is difficult. This is this is difficult, and there's a lot of layers here. I think.
0: Yeah. Um.
1: Do you yeah. have Do you have initial reactions you want to spitball?
0: Well, so if we're so, Ellen Ripley is an incredibly physical character. Like I think. If we think of her, we think of her as an action hero and somebody who takes on a very physical, um, villain or entity, whereas, um, and it follows, it's, you know, yes, technically it is physical because it's walking after you, but, um, there is a psychological element to it just because of how you pass this sort of demonic entity along and how she's tricked um, and the reliance she has on her friends to sort of get through it. Um, I think it makes her more of a... Um, you know, just initially looking at you know, what they, they face, it makes her more of a... Um, uh, kind of a well-rounded character. Just because she has to use several different avenues to try and and get away from her particular creature. But while Ellen is, you know, battling for the most part on the physical level. That being said you know ellen is left is alone ellen is by herself in space which is a terrifying environment um you know so the the mental um finesse that you know you'd have to have to even be able to put up that physical battle is important even if it's just implied in the character so I don't know, I guess my first initial thing is that it's sort of a physical action hero versus a teenager dealing with, like, not stereotypical teenage problems, but, like, something very hyper-specific to, like, youth in America, I feel like. Okay,
1: okay. Interesting.
0: Yeah.
1: I feel like initially I definitely have to applaud Jay as character because it's this important and crucial um, confrontation and embracement of sexuality that we see with her character.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Right. Like she has the, this, you know, the hookup with, um, I can't think of the male character's name.
0: That guy from the beginning.
1: Apologize for that, that, you know, puts the curse as it were on her. And
0: Hugh.
1: Hugh is his name. Yeah, his name is Hugh. Thank you. Um, so she hooks up with Hugh, and it's not, and it's not coded as shameful, and and Jay is not ashamed of it at all, and the the confidence of Jay as sexual being, as woman and sexual being, I think is important. Right. And Ripley doesn't have that. Of course, you could argue she's not presented with an opportunity to really be sexual.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Given her circumstances. Which. I feel like, yeah, on the surface, far more extreme, far more isolating. Jay has that support network around her. Mm hmm. Uh, Ripley of course starts with the crew in alien finds a second crew in aliens but they're quickly dispatched with and you know she's left as the last one standing um,
0: there's also Ripley as icon yeah and as an icon for just female action heroes yeah um, you know not taking shit, not being a damsel in distress, um, surviving her fellow men, her fellow women, surviving, you know, literal fucking aliens. Um, I mean, I guess the strength in Jay, as you point out, you know, it is that, you know, there's no shame in what happened to her, she doesn't, you know, it's there's never a pitying moment, or there's never a moment where she's assigned blame, But I also, you know, and that's great. But I also think there's no sort of mental, without any hint of sort of, like, there's not much trauma mentally that we can see with her, right? Like, she's annoyed, she's pissed, she's frustrated, she's scared. But the kind of um, sort of trauma, I think, that would, you know, emotionally that would come from, you know, what Hugh did And the implications and kind of the readings you get from what Hugh did um, from, you know, our cultural societal lens, you know, that isn't really there. The film doesn't really touch that. Mm -hmm. So if we look at her battle as one that's, you know, maybe implied mental, you know, you can see some emotional problems, but is, you know, technically more physical than anything else because she is literally trying to outrun a thing, Mm. um, then... Ripley wins that because Yeah. You know, it's it's Ripley. Definitely. Yeah.
1: All right. I vote first on this one. I vote Ripley. Yeah, I vote Ripley. Yeah. I feel like I felt like I had to give Jay a fair fight. Yeah. But when that matchup was determined, I was like, oh Ripley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chatters, it's back over to the right bracket. Matchup number three over there, we have Sally Hardesty of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre against the OG herself, Laurie Strode.
0: <laughs> you know. We've got to give Sally a, a chance here, though, to defend to herself.
1: Let's both argue for Sally.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, Sally.
1: So Sally, Sally goes through one of the most traumatic experiences in all horror. Mm-hmm. She sees all of her friends dispatched. She is held captive by a family of deranged cannibals. Yes. She's taunted and tortured. They're telling her all the things they're going to do to her, how they're going to eat her. They're forcing her to eat weird, gross things. She's abandoned. She's alone in the middle of goddamn nowhere. I mean, even even if she escapes from the house, where the fuck is she going to go? Yeah. I mean, her situation is insanely dire. And I think Sally reacts in the way that I would react. Constant screaming. Yeah. Right? Just like, what the fuck? And somehow manages to find amidst all that intense fear amidst all that panic, she finds a way to get out of it. She finds a way to survive and to persevere and to not give in. And I think the extended, uh, period of time in which she is exposed to the immediate threat around her is something we need to consider. Whereas Lori, is being stalked, but doesn't for sure know that she's being stalked. And, of course, eventually she has the final confrontation with Michael, which, in-world, can't take place over more than a half an hour. Yeah. His ordeal occurs over several, you know, an entire night. Yeah. So I think that's something to consider.
0: It is, for sure. Um, You know, and Sally is obviously, if we look at this from, you know, An analytical lens, one of the earliest examples of a final girl. For sure. So she's got that going for For her. Even before Lori. Yeah. Um, I do think Sally as a character, though, has a better sort of setup for survival than Lori had. Because Lori is, you know, she's quiet. She's, you know, the quiet virgin babysitter. She's kind of shy you know, she's got, you know, she's the girl next door, like, you know, the very nice girl next door, whereas Sally, you know, is, you know, seems a bit more scrappy, seems a bit more able-bodied, just with, you know, what she was doing at the beginning of the film, you know, who she hangs out with, etc. The other thing, too, is Lori isn't just, you know, surviving herself. Lori's is also responsible for children she's babysitting you know mm-hmm. like on top of that she's not just a survivor she also has to be a protector Um yeah. no, which yeah. you know I feel like again for somebody like her who is this quiet sort of shy girl next door like she takes on these roles and you know gets through it with this guy who's breaking into her space right like you know she's not kidnapped and taken in to, to you know this um like uh, to me the idea of somebody you know kidna- coming in into you know your space your safe space your your environment you know and having to to deal with that is I don't want to compare people's traumas because I've never been kidnapped or <laughs> or been the victim of a home invasion. But just thinking about it, like, you know, Laurie doesn't expect that shit to happen. Not that, you know, Sally yeah. expected to be taken in by cannibals and stuff. But Sally's in for a little bit of an adventure. I mean, that is true
1: because they are going out there for the purposes of, you know, finding uh, the house. Yeah that they've inherited.
0: Yeah. She That's- you know, she's in for a little bit of of the unknown. Lori's, you know, having a, a safe quiet night and it's preyed upon when she is not ready for it. Right. So, and of course, we well, you know, we have to think of the fact that uh,
1: fair or not, Lori faces this threat time and time again. Yes, and comes out of it. Sally Sally faces it once and survives, which is not to diminish her survival. But it's just a one-time affair for her.
0: Yeah. Hmm. All right. <laughs> um if only because not if only, but you know, because you know you have to have a security system, Karen. Uh, I'm going to have to go with Lori Strode.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: it sucks
1: that this was such a sort of iconic matchup right out of the gate. to very early OG badass uh, final girls, but Lori.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Thank you, Sally. Thank you for your contribution.
1: All right, we hop back over to the left bracket for the final uh, matchup over there, which is between Kirstie Cotton of Hellraiser and Sarah Connor of Terminator.
0: (sighs) Okay, I can think of a couple things off the bat here. Go. Now, obviously, you want to make the same argument with Sarah that you made with Ripley, that it's like the action hero. That being said, in the first Terminator, she was very much... Not that.
1: No, yeah, she's not at all.
0: She very much was, had to be protected by Kyle. She didn't offer much in the way of their survival. She was kind of tossed around, like, you know, and it wasn't even, he wasn't even after her because of her. He was after her because she would become the mother of John Connor. So it wasn't even about her.
1: That's right. And that, yeah, because that image of her, Sarah Connor as action hero, comes... More from Judgment Day and from Sarah Connor Chronicles. Yes. Than it does from the OG Terminator. Now, we're not, I mean, I'm not saying that it has to be the determining factor, but it is interesting as you bring up.
0: Yes. It's just something because I I bring it up because obviously the initial argument is to say Sarah Connor, action hero. Right. But she was not always that and she definitely did not start that it's kind of like um when you th- it's it's kind of like Jason with Friday the 13th like obviously we all associate Friday the 13th with Jason with the hockey mask. These things didn't come till the sequels. And then we kind of latched it on to the entire thing as a whole. Sarah Connor's image as like, you know, the, the badass with the gun killing robots comes from Judgment Day. And then Sarah Connor chronicles later for people who kind of got into it in like the 2000s. Right. Um, whereas in the original Terminator, she was the girl next door. She was this, this, you know, young woman who you know like worked at a I think she worked at a fast food restaurant um who was just living her life and got preyed upon by you know this this monster for reasons she didn't know and basically Kyle Reese has to like toss her around the whole movie because he's a soldier and his job is to protect her so he's you know basically she becomes almost a prop in her own story because she is being tossed around by by Reese and you know everyone's trying to protect her or kill her not because of her but because of you know her son her future son the possibility of of John Connor so it's like she doesn't even have an agency in in why she is the victim or hero um that being said you know all that now flipping it is that she is the girl next door who outlasts a like fucking you know murder robot from the year sure. 20 bajillion or whatever it is
1: she sure does she sure does
0: and she has to do it at the end without kyle because kyle dies
1: right uh and right. she has to
0: figure it out on her own and then obviously in judgment day she becomes a badass
1: huge badass yeah huge badass. but now for her opponent Kirsty. Goes up against a bunch of sadomestochistic murder demons. This is
0: true. This is, I don't know. I wouldn't even... I'd just, like, tap out. The second right? that all this shit started, I'd be like, you know what? No, this is it. I
1: and- mean, every time I watch Hellraiser, the scene where Kirstie, uh, uh, she, you know, she's in the hospital and she figures out the box for the first time. Yeah. And then she goes into the um, the other world. And the engineer chases her. I was like, I would literally just lay down and die.
0: Yeah, no, like I like, I, I see no, that and I'm like, yeah. yep, that'll about that'll about do that's
1: that. about it. <laughs> this is not worth it. And she perseveres, she goes up against the Cenobites, she makes a deal with them, she doesn't crumple, and you know, and she comes back for for a couple of films to keep fighting them. And the Cenobites, you know, Pinhead is the kind of villain where I'm like, nope. I like Mm-mm. I could probably figure out a way to outlast Jason. I think I could outrun Michael. I
0: can deal with the normal killers who just want to yeah. kill you, not the ones who want to like do weird sadomasochistic sex things to you to I death.
1: Oh, like I I can't handle
0: that. Yeah. Um, That's like next then- level body horror. Right? It's,
1: it's next level body horror it's that classic Clive Barker um, gross out horror and it's intense and it's visceral and Kiersey is the one who survives it all and that is something we can't ignore yeah um, this is tough this is really tough this is really tough because, of course, if we think of icons, Sarah Connor, of course.
0: Yeah. No, she's, she's a total icon of the 80s, of the 90s. She's an icon for female presence in
1: films. You know, when you go to Universal and you go on the Terminator ride. Yeah.
0: And yeah. she yeah, and she pops that woman pretending to be Sarah Connor. rappels right. down, And you're like, fuck yeah, Sarah Connor's here. We're safe.
1: We're safe. We're safe. She's definitely more of an icon. But is Kirstie Cotton the better heroine.
0: I don't... This is tough. So, let's they look face at it. They so mm.
1: different enemies.
0: They do, and, like, there is a mental component to both of them, I think. Um, you know, Kirsty is somewhat familially involved with the situation and, and how the Cenobites so- came to, you know... Uh, exist here um obviously there's just the implied psychological trauma of everything that the Cenobites are and you know having to just go up against that and the way she you know kind of takes it on um you know but There's also, like, you know, say some, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger comes banging down your door just ready to shoot you in the face on a random Monday night when you get home from your job at the diner. And you have to somehow deal with that.
1: Yeah. Fuck.
0: Fuck. Yeah, no, this is a tough one. At least it wasn't Ripley versus Sarah Connor. That would have been very difficult, I think.
1: That would have been very difficult.
0: They would have been. They might end up. Who knows? They might end up. (laughs) Squaring off eventually, And then,
1: and now I'm kind of thinking about the factor that like. Kiersey's battle more or less. revolves around a personal salvation. Yeah. Whereas Sarah Connor, she literally has to save the world. A larger fate.
0: Yeah. And
1: am like, should that be a factor? Maybe it should. Maybe it should.
0: Yeah. I mean, I do think as a heroine. Yeah, well, yes, and it is unique to someone like Sarah, someone like Ripley, but at the same time, as we pointed out with Laurie Strode, there are factors here where heroines are responsible for more life than just theirs, and they yeah. have to become protectors as well as survivors.
1: That's a good point. That's an excellent point.
0: Mm.
1: Is it time to vote? Or would, I do think we... it is,
0: before I change my mind. Okay,
1: you're up first.
0: I'm going to vote Sarah Connor.
1: I too am voting for Sarah Connor. Nice. All right, Kirstie Cotton, we truly thank you for your contribution uh, to all horror heroines and final girls, but it is not your time, my dear. That means that uh, the second matchup on the left-hand bracket in the Elite Eight is going to be Ellen Ripley versus Sarah Connor. Is it really? Yes, it is. Oh my God,
0: that's going to be a tough yes, one. I'm going to have to. I'm is. going to have to take a week to think about that. I know, I know.
1: <laughs> but right now, we move over to the right-hand bracket, of course, for the final matchup over there, which is Nancy Thompson of Nightmare on Elm Street against Jess Bradford of Black Christmas.
0: Oh, this is tough. This is. Tough. They are in very similar predicaments.
1: I know this might be the hardest of the initial matchups. This is difficult. Um, all right, I'm gonna go in and just, I'm just gonna start sort of spewing so, initial thoughts here. Do it. Uh, we look at Nancy. Nancy is, um, of course iconic. She appears in the majority of the nightmare films. Mm -hmm. She has huge agency Mm -hmm. and then she doesn't settle for what's happening to her. She takes a stand to try and stop it. Yeah. Uh, as the franchise goes on, we see her being, uh, very protective of others, making sure it doesn't happen to them. Of course, thinking of nightmare three dream warriors, um, She's so resourceful. I think of the the plan she puts in motion in the original film to pull Freddie yeah. into the real world. That's at that time, even now, to see a final girl, to see a heroine, um, confront what they're facing and and strike back rather than um, being hunted and you know, just sort of doing what they need to do in the moment, I think it's definitely admirable and something we need to consider. But of course, thinking of Jess, Jess is one of the kindest, most thoughtful heroines we know. Yeah. And her concern for her sisters, uh, her instant um, attention when things are going wrong, and when you know when Claire is missing, and and, <laughs> <laughs> and when Margot Kidder is off of her rails, drunk. You know, Jess is, and Jess is kind of is that um, that that Shakespearean heroine, right? Where things are happening to her, and she adapts. And she takes the situation sort of by the horns. So this is tough. This is really tough. Um, it is. Miss Mouth
0: I mean, I think if we look at kind of what they face, just the very idea of Freddie and everything about that is. I would again. It's another one of those situations where I'm like, well, oh, that yeah, that'll that'll about do it. Um, yeah. Where it's like, you know, like, you can't go, and like, speaking as somebody who was traumatized by these films as a child, like, and just the fact that, you know, like, you can't, you know.
1: DreamWorks was your first horror film, right?
0: Yeah, it was, yes, DreamWorks. Yes. Um, But yeah, like, you
1: know. In which Nancy plays such a huge role.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's traumatizing. You can't sleep. You can't, you know, you don't, there's no relief. It's, you know, they just exhaust themselves and, you know, it's terrifying because, you know, you, it's, it's terrifying. Like the concept of being able to be stalked in your dreams and killed in your dreams and, you know, all of the, just the concept of what Freddie is and the way he kills people, like the disgusting sort of like, crazy ways that you know Nancy has to to you know face down the possibility of of being cut down by this guy with literally knives for hands well knives for fingers on one hand um and you know just the image of Freddie with his his scarred and and deformed face um is really freaky I mean that being said obviously you know In Black Christmas, you know, it takes place around Christmas. There's people missing, getting these crazy phone calls from this person who's clearly, you know, what's going on with this person, this caller is clearly much bigger than, you know, outside of, you know, what's going on with the people in the house, because it's somebody who we can tell, you know, somebody is disturbed. Um, You know, and again, going back to Jess having to be, take on the role of protector, um, with her sisters, with her friends, like having to try and, you know, take care of more than just herself. Um, even if it's not nearly at the level or the level of obligation as you get with, um, Lori or Sarah, you know, maybe that makes it more admirable that she chooses to take on this role of this person who's going to get, you know, figure this shit out. And and get people to bed when they're drunk, and and find missing sisters and and missing friends, and alert people's boyfriends, and you know she just chooses to be that person. Um, so I think there's something admirable there that to be doing that through all of this, you know, unsettlingness and
1: yeah.
0: Ah, fuck. And again, you can make the argument. I mean, Nancy, you know, at the very least, does have a little bit of a a network there are people going through what she's going through she's you know you know you got the little team of of people in the first one who are going through this stuff who make a pact to not sleep who you know try and work through it dream warriors is a similar thing where you've got a group of people kind of banding together to kind of take on Freddy. whereas jess yeah she's surrounded by people but in her role as survivor as fighter she's kind of alone
1: right because
0: everyone else is you know dicking off or just gives up or gets killed or is uninvolved after a certain point so these are are the thoughts god uh, i know this is a tough one this is a very tough one this is really tough and i have to
1: vote first on this one Oh, sorry. Did you? No,
0: no, no, no. I was, I'm just thinking for myself.
1: Okay. Okay. If you listened a couple episodes ago, you know how much I adore Black Christmas. But in this matchup, I am voting for Nancy Thompson. So... I just
0: uh, no okay. no no it's good it's good, um, yeah. God, I mean that that was this is so did that, hurt hard. You? Did that hurt you. Um, so if only because and maybe this is the wrong method to go, but to break a tie in my head, I feel like this is how I have to do it. If only because of how much I viscerally responded to the trauma of of what Nancy had to go through. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna have to go with Nancy Thompson.
1: Okay. That was difficult.
0: Yeah, that was a tough one.
1: All right. All right, you guys. So that now means, oh, God, talk about difficult. That now means when we get to the second matchup in the right bracket for the Elite Eight, it is going to be Nancy Thompson versus Laurie
0: Strode. It's going to be a really tough one
1: yes this so, is why
0: this is in two parts so we have time to think <laughs>
1: that's exactly what that's really, and I think now this is where we agreed we were gonna stop yeah
0: right,
1: okay so chatters as it stands the elite eight currently is Jennifer Check of Jennifer's Body Sydney Prescott of Scream Ellen Ripley of Alien Sarah Connor from Terminator, Lila Crane of Psycho, Laurie Strode from Halloween, Nancy Thompson from A Nightmare on Elm Street, and an eighth spot that we could not agree on Mm -hmm. between Tree Gelbman of Happy Death Day and Jamie Lloyd of Halloween 4 and Halloween 5. We leave that matchup to you. After you listen to this episode, get at us on our various social media platforms and let us know who you think should win between the matchup of Tree and Jamie. There are lots of ways in which you can let us know your thoughts. Miss Mel, if you are kind enough, Mm -hmm. could you let them know how?
0: Yes. So you can get at us on Twitter at Splatter Chatter 666 minus Every single vowel in those words. If that's too difficult, just search "splatter chatter" as is. We will pop right up. If you want to email us, you can email us at splatterchatter at gmail.com if you want to get at us. And our slide into our DMs on Instagram. You can find us at splatterchatter666 on Tumblr. We are splatterchatter.tumblr.com. Mister Kreger's blog is splatterchatter666.blogspot.com, and he will let you know that if after you tell us uh, who should win that matchup, you want to take it a step further in your relationship with us he will tell you how you can do that
1: you can do that by visiting our patreon page it's found at www.patreon.com slash 666 when you're on that page you're going to find out all sorts of uh, information about the show about us about my relationship with horror about miss mel's relationship with horror and about why we started this podcast and what we hope to accomplish with it and all of the episodes going forward and why we would very much appreciate your patronage. If you decide to give us your patronage, there's three different levels at which you could do so. One, five or $10 pledges a month that makes you either a Jason, a Freddie, or a Michael. And there's all sorts of benefits that you get depending on what level uh, uh, you make yourself as a donor. Uh, everything from newsletters to uh, special Q and A Two, choosing the topic of an entire episode. Ooh. Is there a film you really want uh, Miss Melanie to cover? Is there um, uh, an actor or a performer or just a general topic in horror, an urban legend, um, a serial killer, something you're desperate to hear us talk about? Become a Michael level donor and we will. All right, now with all of that in your ears. Keep in mind our elite eight. Keep in mind that that eighth spot still needs to be filled. Will it be Tree Geldman? Will it be Jamie Lloyd? You guys have to let us know. You guys have to let us know so that when we come back at you for the second of our March episodes, we will finish out the tournament to see who is the ultimate lady that crunches. Yes. Who is the ultimate horror heroine of our march madness until that point you guys we want to remind you to keep up the creep and until we're in your ears again we're gonna say au revoir adios and dust